I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are grateful for this time of worship. We are grateful for Your Holy Word. Grateful for the opportunity to study together. And God, as I stand now before these, your people, for this is your church. Pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. It's a new year. It's that time to have a fresh start. There's something about the new year gives us a chance to kind of put aside the past, look expectantly toward the future. I know in this past week, I've spent some time updating my calendar for 2022, laying out the various events, but more than just calendaring, some time to reflect, what do we want 2022 to be like? When we get to the end of next year and we look back, what do we hope we've accomplished? Where do we hope that we'll be in our lives personally? Where do we hope we'll be in our lives professionally? Where do we hope we'll be spiritually in our relationship with Jesus Christ? And together, where is God calling our church to be? Where do we hope to be as the church? What are our goals for this church here at Weddington, for all of us, the body of Christ gathered together? Who is God calling us to be? Now, maybe before we spend too much time going straight to the goals of here's where we want to be, maybe we should spend some time talking about what is the purpose of the church. So one of the things that I intend to spend some time this year with many of our key leaders and our various ministry teams, most all of you know I love to teach, and normally on Wednesday nights I teach Bible studies, have for many years, but I'm taking a little bit of a break until the summer, so through this winter and spring, to have some intentional time with the key leaders of our church to help wrestle with who is God calling us to be. As we look at denominational issues, as we look at coming out of COVID, as we look at a vision for the future, who is God calling us to be and what impact is God calling us to make? What is the purpose of the church? You see, the church is God's idea. It's not something we decide on as well. I love the scripture in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus knows that he's heading toward the cross and he asks the disciples, when you're out among the crowds, who do they say that I am? Some of them answer, we've heard you're John the Baptist. Some say Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets. And Jesus pauses and goes, well, who do you say that I am? I mean, who do you say that I am? I think there was a 
significant moment of silence. I think sometimes we read the Bible way too fast. And finally, Peter speaks up. We figured it would be Peter. He doesn't handle silence well. But he nails this answer. Peter said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You might remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. In response to that, he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah, for no human being told you that. This was revealed to you from God. So I'm changing your name to Peter, which means rock, little rock. And upon this Petra, this big rock, this rock of that faith, the rock of the faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church, Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I've always loved that scripture as a pastor because one of the things it reminds me of is the building of the church is a God thing. Jesus said, I will build it and it's my church. Our task is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, what does that word church even mean when Jesus says that? The Greek word is ekklesia. And the powerful thing about that word is it means a calling out. It's a play on how Israel in the Old Testament was a called out people of God, a people of covenant. And God is calling the church to be a called out people, to be a set apart people, to be a people that are in our world, but not absorbed by our world. We're called to be a witness. We're called to make a difference. We're called to be set apart. We are called out. It's something we used to share with our kids a lot, too, when they were growing up as we would take them to be with some friends or drop them off somewhere. One of the things we would share with them is remember who you are. Similar conversation when we took our daughter off to college, our son uh, to deploy with the United States Army. Remember who you are. What's your identity? Who are you Deep inside, remember. So Peter shares these beautiful words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter said, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Eugene Peterson paraphrases that scripture in the message. Now again, a paraphrase is a retelling. A translation is, here was the Greek word, here's the English. A paraphrase is, in other words. So Eugene Peterson paraphrases 1 Peter 2, 9 in the message this way. He said, but you are the chosen, are the ones chosen by God. Chosen. For the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. Wow. 
The calling then of the church is to be a holy people, a chosen, set apart, called out church that will proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and the difference He's made in our lives. It's part of our identity then, who we are as the church. Now Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 19, his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul said, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him. The whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God." The scripture makes it clear that we, the people of God, the church, are called out, called to be set apart by God's grace, not of our own doing, not of our own merit, but God's grace to be a witness, to be an example, to be a witness of who God is calling us to be, to be a witness of who God is calling the world to be, to share that God so loved the world, and to introduce them to His Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus the Christ. So who is God calling the church at Weddington to be? That's where we have to take some time to discern. In the King James Version of Proverbs 29, verse 18, the Scripture says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, one of the interesting things to do when you read the Bible sometimes is to look at different translations of the same verse and see how they might share the same thought, the nuance of the Greek as it's brought into the English or the nuance of the Hebrew as it's brought into the English. And here, if you look at the New Revised Standard, the Scripture says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophecy. In other words, a word from God. Or the English Standard Version says, where there is no prophetic vision. Again, a God thing. When when God hasn't shared the vision. Or the New International Version says, where there is no revelation. Again, a God thing. And paraphrased again in the message, the scripture says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So the challenge for us as we seek to be the church God is calling us to be is to discern, not to decide. I think sometimes we in the church, sometimes we in our denomination, we get that a little bit mixed up. We start thinking we just need to decide who we're meant to be. And the challenge is to discern who God is calling us to be. The scripture makes it clear it's got to be a God thing. It's God's church called out by God for God's calling. So to discern, to discern God's vision and not to decide how to use God to promote our vision or our agenda. That's a challenge. It takes prayer. It takes work. It takes time studying the Scripture, seeking to be who God is calling us to be. 
So who is God calling us to be? We will spend some time putting flesh on this. But one of the things that I have been feeling convicted for quite some time for our church here, and I believe the Church of Jesus Christ, is that we truly become a discipleship academy. And what I mean by that is not just a, a, a gathering where people gather together and, and sing songs and, and read some scriptures, but a discipleship academy where we worship God, where we really grow deeper in our faith, where we share this good news of Jesus Christ, where we serve and love our neighbors. To, to make disciples, and the word disciple means a student or a follower, an apprentice, that, that we want to be a, an apprentice of Jesus Christ, to really follow Him. As a matter of fact, the last thing Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, was, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and catch this, teaching them to obey, to observe everything that I've commanded you. A discipleship academy to be the people that God is calling us to be. And how do we do that? Well, obviously worship will be a vital part of our lives. I love Psalm 111, verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright, in the congregation. See, worship is something we, we don't just do on our own, but it's, it's being part of a community of faith. It's part of the church, the body of Christ, as Paul would put it in Corinthians. We're, we're called to be together and to join together and worship God teaching and studying the Word of God, sharing in the sacraments of God. It's why John Wesley said, when thinking about the church, he said that the pure Word of God be preached therein and the sacraments duly administered. That the pure Word of God be preached therein and the sacraments duly administered. We'll worship God but I also want us to grow deeper in our faith. I think God is, is calling for us to go beyond a surface-level Christianity. There's so much surface-level everything in our world. I think God is looking for a people that will go deep, to seek to discern. It's why Paul, in writing to his apprentice Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he says to him, do your best to present yourself to God. Some versions say, study to show yourself. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by Him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. To go deep enough in the Scripture and in the faith that we can rightly explain it. Or as Wesley said, that the pure word of God be preached and taught therein. He also says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient. I think God is calling for a church to be proficient, equipped for every good work. One of the temptations of the church in our culture today 
is we tend to be a I think, I feel people. Well, I think, well, I feel, but part of the challenge is not what I think and I feel, it's to try to discern what does God say? What does God think? What does God feel? As a matter of fact, I was sharing not long ago with a Uh, one of the leaders in our conference, I said, there's a sense of arrogance to believe that everything is our decision. Not everything is our decision. The role of the church is to try to discern what is God saying to us and then be faithful with that as we take it out into the world. A discipleship academy that studies the scripture recognizes that this is the primary authority in our lives and we're going to to wrestle with it and pray about it and wrestle with God through it so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. And we'll proclaim this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ with grace. I love the scripture where Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. I'm unashamedly a Christian. We just celebrated Christmas. We continue to celebrate in the 12 days of Christmas that God did something unique in and through Jesus Christ. And not far from now, we will actually join together, begin a season of Lent, and then we will walk with Jesus to the cross. And surely God did something unique in the cross. If not, it was cruelty. And the resurrection changes everything. So I'll proclaim this gospel. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, now it's on that, it's on that faith that I'll build my church. If we try to build a church on anything else, it will fail because it's God's church. God builds it on what God has done through Jesus Christ. Harold Songer said that the preeminent characteristic of the church in the New Testament is devotion to Jesus Christ as Lord. And we as the church will discern how God is then calling us to also humbly serve our neighbors, love our neighbors, loving them. Loving them. Not pitying them. But what does it mean to love those who are hurting, to love those who are struggling, to love those who need pastoral care, to love those who are struggling to make ends meet, to put food on the table, clothes on their back, to care for the children? What does it mean to serve in love? I love John 13. It's one of the most humbling things. And that's the scripture where Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. Wow. It's It's humbly serving where we're willing to get on our knee and take a towel 
and wash our neighbor's feet, to care for them out of love and compassion. How will we do that? In Matthew 25, Jesus shares this beautiful image of when the Son of Man returns and and God will do the separation of those who were faithful and not the sheep and the goats. And and he talked about how when we were sick or when we're hungry, when we were thirsty, when we're in prison, that that when, when we took care of one of these, Jesus said, you did it to me. Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And when we don't, he said in verse 45, then he'll answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. We're called to be the church. And I believe our world today desperately needs the church. Our world today desperately needs an encounter with Jesus Christ And the church is the vessel that God is calling to be a chosen people, to make disciples, to receive and discern God's vision for who God is calling the church to be. So every year, at the first Sunday of the year, we do what's known as the Wesley Covenant Service, where we take the covenant together John Wesley, every year on New Year's Eve, would do this service. It was actually adapted from the Puritans, but Wesley then adapted it, believed it was a vital part. So vital, he actually wrote this introduction himself. So hear these words from John Wesley himself. Dearly beloved, the Christian life to which we are called is a life in Christ redeemed from sin and through Him consecrated to God. Upon this life we have entered, having been fully admitted into that new covenant of which our Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator and which He sealed with His own blood, that it might stand forever. On the one side, the covenant is God's promise that He will fulfill in and through us all that He declared in Christ Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. That His promise still stands, we are sure. For we've known His goodness and proved His grace in our lives day by day. On the other side, we stand pledged to live no more unto ourselves, but to Him who loved us and gave himself for us and called us to serve him, that the purpose of his coming might be fulfilled. From time to time, we renew our vows of consecration, especially when we gather at the Lord's table. But on this day, we meet expressly as generations of our fathers and mothers have met, that we may joyfully and solemnly renew the covenant which bound them and binds us to God. Let us then, remembering the mercies of God and the hope of His calling, examine ourselves by the light of His Spirit, that we may see wherein we have failed or fallen short in faith and practice, and having considered 
all that this covenant means may give ourselves anew to God. In the Old Covenant, God chose Israel to be a special people and to obey the law. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by His death and resurrection, has made a new covenant with all who trust in Him. We stand within this covenant and bear His name. On the one side, God promises in this covenant to give us new life in Christ. On the other side, we are pledged to live not for ourselves, but for God. Therefore, today we meet to renew the covenant which binds us to God. Friends, let us claim the covenant that God has made with His people and accept the yoke of Christ. To accept the yoke of Christ means that we allow Christ to guide all that we do and are, and that Christ Himself is our only reward. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy, others are difficult. Some make others applaud us, others bring only reproach. Some we desire to do because of our own interest, others seem unnatural. Sometimes we please Christ and meet our own needs. At other times, we cannot please Christ unless we deny ourselves. Yet Christ strengthens us and gives us the power to do all things. Therefore, let us make this covenant of God our own. Let us give ourselves completely to God, trusting in His promises and relying on His grace. And I invite you now to join me as we share and say the covenant together. But let us make sure it's not just words we're reading on a screen, but words that are placed deep in our heart and covenant with God. Will you join me? I give myself completely to you, God. Assign me to my place in your creation. Let me suffer for you. Give me the work you would have me do. Give me many tasks. Or have me step aside while you call others. Put me forward or humble me. Give me riches or let me live in poverty. I freely give all that I am and all that I have to you. And now, holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. May this covenant made on earth continue for all eternity. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you call us to be people of the covenant. So we ask now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit and help us to be in covenant with you as we have just proclaimed. And now as we come to this table, we ask that you would cleanse us and forgive us and make these gifts be the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, so that we may be for this world, the body of Christ having been redeemed by his blood. Help us, we pray, 
to be your church, carrying out your vision, making disciples for Jesus Christ. Amen. The body of Christ, which is broken for you. The blood of Christ, which is shed for you.